Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Although this week it's not an artist as such, but it is someone that's given thousands of artists the platform to sell and promote their work. I'm speaking to none other than the founder of the other art fair. Ryan Stanier. Since opening his first art fair in November 2011, which is only just over eight years ago, he has partnered with Saatchi Art, which is the world's leading platform for emerging artists to sell their work, which has enabled him in 2020 to have an astonishing 14 shows opening on the other art fair calendar. But for a more detailed account of the other art fairs past, present and what they've got coming in the future, come and hear it from the man himself, Mr Ryan Stanier. But let's begin by banging these bongos. Apparently, it's been with the house for like a hundred years or something, and it keeps on getting passed down. What a good ornament to have there, right? This morning, I'm with Ryan Stanier of the Other Art Fair. Hi, Ryan. Morning. Um, I start off with seven questions I have for each 
Normally it's an artist, but there's the, the questions are, have changed slightly for people in the industry but who aren't actually artists. How would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know you? Um, so I guess very simply, I, I put art fairs on, um, specifically the other art fair. And the point of difference with us compared to generally any other fair is that we're a fair where it's chosen artists, selected artists actually take the booths rather than galleries. Um, so for the artists, they can sell their work directly to art buyers, art lovers, yeah. collectors that come to the fair. And for visitors, and the feedback that we get from visitors a lot is that they love meeting artists directly yeah. and having that com conversation with them rather than through a gallerist. When did it start? So I started the fair back in 2011, uh, back in November 2011. Now, yeah, so what's that now? Nine years ago. Bloody hell. How did it come about? Um, so at the time... And, and was it started yeah. by you or you and a group, you and a company? Just me, just me. Um, I said, well, I say, yeah, it was just me at the time. Then I sort of put random adverts out there trying to find an intern to come and help me. Um, so and actually, you... funnily enough, that person's still with me today. Perfect. So great, yeah. So what was your interest in art before? So my first exposure to art was probably not till I left home, finished university, go move into... I actually then moved into London. I come from, like, you know, the suburbs outside of London... Didn't have any, I never went to a museum, never went to a gallery, anything so like that. So it wasn't that. a creative degree you'd done? No, nothing like that. I did business. So I did this business degree, then finished, then moved into London, lived in a big house share, and a friend of mine said, oh, why do you come to this? I mean, it's some random, uh, I think it was at the <coughs> RA, it was like some Russian um, exhibition that was on. And I was just, yeah, I was just really fascinated by it and sort of got into it from there. And then sort of started working for a company who were running events, uh, various different events and one of them was Art Hong Kong uh, so there's a guy called Tim Etchells who started that and he eventually well he invited me to go out to Hong Kong and sort of work on that so that's kind of my first exposure really to art fairs um, I then came back and started a, a little I had lots of artist friends as well at this point and I started this like little pop-up show in Covent Garden and it was, a, it was a little show called Art Beat. And the whole idea really was that I saw a lot of my artist friends, they were putting on these shows, but they were all in like these totally obscure places. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be that somewhere. Was free. It's free, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they get free space somewhere in some place in London which no one's ever heard of. And they'd only be their friends and family that would turn up for a free drink on the opening night to support them. Nobody would ever buy anything. And I'd always speak to them, like, oh, you know, how did it get on? And they're like, yeah, I didn't really sell anything, didn't meet anyone yeah. of interest I didn't know. I always felt a bit saddened by that. So I was sort of trying to apply what I kind of knew but didn't really um, about business, I guess. And sort of found this space in Covent Garden, went out and negotiated a free, well, again, it was a free space. So the whole idea was that it was in central London so we could invite people along. Um, and I remember on the opening night, we had, yeah, again, it was just like we invited lots of different gallerists along. Because the whole idea was to get my artist friends in front of people in the art yeah. world. Not that I knew anybody or knew anything at this point. Um, anyway, long story short, it was meant to be on for two months. ended up going for 18 months. And just had a lot of fun doing it. But then I think I missed, I just missed the whole like, event world. Yeah. That was kind of my yeah. experience. That's what my, my interest is. Um, and so I had this idea for doing a fair, which was really for artists rather than, 
you know, a gallerist fair. And had you been to many different art fairs yeah, before then? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously I went to all the ones in London. Yeah. Um, and I just think, and the one piece of advice which always sticks with me, which Tim actually told me at the time was, the key to the success of any art fair is knowing its positioning. It's a bit, you know, knowing exactly what you stand for. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why we're still here nine years later. Mm. And, you know, in that period of time, I've seen so many art fairs start and then they don't come back. It's just because they're generic art yeah, fairs, you yeah. know? It's like everyone's starting an art fair, but it's like, what's your point of difference? Whereas I think we've been very clear in terms of like what we stand for, our branding. Um, yeah, and that's why we're still here. So I started it in June 2011, launched it in November 2011. Um, and that was doing one a year. I think I went to then two a year. Anyway, now I'm doing Why 14 November? this year. Fucking hell, you've so done 12 14, last year, didn't you? 12 last year and 14 this year. So I think we're running more art fairs than anyone else in the world, Shit. which is pretty good, yeah. So how did it go from you having the first one? Um, obviously, that was just, well, presuming it was a success, the first one. Yeah. You obviously learned something from the first, thought you could yeah. apply that to the second. You thought it had legs, if you yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that it could carry on. Yeah. Um, when did it start noticeably changing? I remember when, when there was realize? a, yeah, I think there was a tipping point. And I think the tipping point was, and I hate to drop names, but I really think the tipping point was, we sort of had this idea of getting a guest artist involved. Because even at the beginning, I mean, talk about shoestring budgets. I mean, really, everything was beg, borrow, and yeah, sometimes steal, right? Just to get the show up and yeah. running. Um, you know, I can tell so many stories around, like, just before opening, you know, the, the stand builders or the decorators, <laughs> they disappear one yeah, night. Yeah. So I'm calling my mates at midnight, saying, hey, can you come down to the show? You know, we're opening, we've got artists coming at nine o'clock in the morning. Can you come and help me paint from midnight <laughs> to 4 a.m.? Get these stands painted. And really, we did that. Um, so that's... Oh, so, so yeah, the tipping moment. point. Um, so you know, it was very much run like that, and I think the t so we had this idea of doing having like a guest artist. So you know, how do we create? Like, if we had a big name artist involved, how, that would sort of elevate what we're doing, get a little bit more press. Um, and I once wrote an email to Tracy Emin. I said, "Look, this is what we're doing. Would you be interested in getting involved?" Anyway, she replied, unbelievably. We had a meeting. And she decided, you know, she agreed to take this booth. So that was really the changing point, you know, seeing her coming along. She was on the booth, she was manning it, she was chatting to people coming. She created this body of work that she was selling at the fair, you know, just like yeah, every other yeah. artist. Um, so I really feel like that was kind of the turning point for us. And I think that was 2013. I think it was around 13. And then did you invite someone every year? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... Yeah, we, and we did. Um, we've worked with Gavin. Oh, we've had so many different guest artists now. Gavin Turk, um, the Connor Brothers, uh, Martin Parr. Um, yeah, so we've worked with all these different artists now. Uh, but we don't always have a guest artist. I mean, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Actually, Noel Fielding is <coughs> going to be our guest artist oh, cool. in the upcoming fair. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you now have a selection committee. Yeah. Oh, presumably you always had a selection committee. Yeah. So the whole idea of the selection committee is to remove, like, it's not me choosing the artist. So mm. how selection works is that any presumably artist... Presumably it was at the start. No. No, because I didn't know, you know, I'm not credible within the art world. And so I had to sort of 
bring together a group of people that would agree to select some artists, you know, people that knew what yeah, they were talking yeah, yeah, about, yeah. right? Um, and so we've always had the committee and the whole idea is that artists can apply online, they get chosen by the committee and every fair that we run, it's a whole new committee. So it's a whole new set of eyes looking at the artists. So nobody gets selected based on you know, what they've sold before yeah, or yeah. haven't done. Mate, it's, yeah. yeah, one of my mates or anything like that. Um, that's kind of the whole idea behind it. And it's all, and it, every fair, so 14 fairs this year, there'll be 14 selection committees. And that's all, local. all over the world? Yeah, but local committees. Nice. So the whole idea is for every fair, it's meant to be for that city. So yes, we get lots of artists that all, I don't know, they might come from Brooklyn to come do the London fair, let's say. But the whole idea is, to you know, start a fair which is supporting that local um, artist community mm. and engage and basically connect it with the art buyers of that city. Yeah, you know, we don't have collectors flying in from all over the place to come to the other art fair. It's people in the local city. And it helps the artists as well get to know exactly. new contacts, new new it's, artists. Exactly, and we talk to artists about you know not only so the way that we approach it is very much and again this is different to my experience of working on art fairs before, is that we work really close, and this is a great thing about working with artists, we get to work really closely with them. So it's not a case of, we're not in the business of selling booths. You know, it's not just a case of going, hey, you know, give us your money, yeah. three and a half days at the fair, I'll see you later. We do workshops in the lead up to the fair, we do talks, we, I don't know, print, do all these handouts and all this stuff. Basically, we want to work with artists at the fair and help them sustain their practice afterwards. Mm. So we've got this partnership with Saatchi Art. So all the artists have their profiles on Saatchi Art. We use the data of everyone that comes to the fair to then help promote and try and sell artwork online throughout the year. I saw that, did Saatchi Art acquire? Yeah. Well, no, not Saatchi Art. A company called Leaf Group, who are a tech company in LA. Okay. They own Saatchi Art. Okay. And they sort of saw what we were doing and just obviously think, thought it was a really good fit to what Saatchi Art are mm. as a company. So they're the biggest online platform for independent artists. Yeah. Um, arguably, we're the biggest in terms of art fairs. So it just, it, just gives, sense, yeah. Yeah, it just gives all those artists sort of an opportunity to show their work physically as well. When was your first interest in art? Probably when I left university. Probably when I moved into that house. And it was, it was, you know, that move away from, let's call it a suburban way of living. Yeah. You know, where you have this closed sort of idea of the world. You know, if you don't have, I didn't have anyone taking me to a gallery or a yeah. museum or anything like that. And I think by moving into London, suddenly you're like, oh my God, this is what the world's about. <laughs> Shit, look at all this stuff that's going on. I can't believe it. I thought my world revolved around... You know, my Citroen Saxo and going for nights out in Kingston, you know? Well, have you got like a an artwork that, that you sort of reflect back to? You know, one that's got the strongest yeah. sort of emotional pull to you? Maybe the one that pops into my mind is... There's, this, well, there's an artist which I still work with today who's the first artwork that I ever sold, and that's maybe why. Um, from Dan Hillier. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know him, so... Um, yeah, he's, I think it's called Mother and Child, and it's one of his sort of earlier works. Yeah. Um, and I just always remember that artwork when asked that sort of question, oh, just because it you know, resonates so deeply with me. And it's nice that now I'm still working with him sort of all these years on. 
in 2018, you brought Kate Bryan in to do the Not 30%. Yeah. <coughs> Beautiful little concept. And he had its own venue as well, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just across the road there. How did that come about? Was that something that use that got brought to use or was it your concept? Well, I think obviously with the Me Too movement, a couple of was it a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, around about that um, time. It sort of obviously has shaken up every industry and made everyone look at what they're doing and equality and all that sort of thing. And I think it's something that we've, I've always come from this position, and we always talk about it in the office, is this sort of idea of fairness. Um, and even around the selection committees, uh, the selection process is a good, good example of that. So when all the artists are selected, there's no, we don't know anything about them really. We know their artwork, we can read their artist statement, and really that's all we go on. Mm. So all the work is basically chosen based on the quality of the work rather than anything else. So with that in mind, and with the Me Too movement, we thought, okay, wouldn't it be interesting to see what percentage of artists that we work with are male and which ones are female? Yeah, yeah. So we looked at it over the, all the fairs that we've run. Now it's 43 art fairs we've run, and 52% of them were female. We're like, isn't that interesting? Yeah, when, yeah. And then I started talking to Kate about this, and she said, well, why don't we do a show called Not 30%? Because never more than 30% of the time are female artists shown in galleries or museums. Mm. And it also, you know, just showcases, you know, sort of the fairness around the fair. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of her idea and just through us having a conversation. And so then we hired this additional venue and put it next to the other art fair and just sort of promote it that way as a really a way of sort of showcasing this, like, not 30%. But, um, yeah, it worked really well there. Yeah. And the bit of artwork Sarah Maple done for it yeah. was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, she's great. You know, she's a big supporter of the fair. And so, I mean, so is Kate. I mean... You know, we're really thankful. I mean, this is why I'm lucky enough to be where we are, is because you've got amazing people in the industry like Kate mm. who really support what we're doing. She totally understands, you know, the value of what we're doing, I think, yeah. in the sort of wider art, art world. Yeah, well, I, I went through the list of, of um, people on your committee and even just for, the, for this podcast, yeah. um, people who are either on it or confirmed to be on it are Kate Bryan, Charming Baker, Xavier Ellis, Connor Brothers, Gavin Turk, Dario Lari, Abigail Lane, and last year was Maeve Dawes. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, thankfully, when you reach out to people now, they often say yes. So, <laughs> you know, we're really, and nobody gets paid or anything like that to do it. So I really appreciate, you know, they're sort of spending their time to go through. Because, you know, now we get over a thousand applications for each fair, in mm-hmm. London at least. And How you know, it's a lot of work got? to go through. 140? So it's a lot of work to go through yeah. all these online pages and, you know, it's a bit of a clunky old selection yeah. process system that we've got in place at the moment. So it does take a lot you of time. You have a couple of shows per year, but they are quite different now, aren't they? Or yeah. I've noticed. It. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you say that because <laughs> we really put a lot of effort into things. What I hate, right, so I think, again, another reason why I started the fair is <clears throat> I hate when affairs running, let's say, more than once a year. And every time you go, even if it's once a year, every time you go, you feel like you're at the same Fair event. Copy of the right. last exactly. One, yeah. And of course, like from a, maybe a branding agency would say, well, it's consistency with your brand and all this stuff. But I just think you always have to offer a different visitor experience every time. Mm. So we always try and like move the stands around so it doesn't feel like you're walking up and down yeah, the same yeah, mileways. Yeah. We always have different features, different people in the selection committee, different artists. Um, you know, just really try and mix it up each time. And last year you was 
you've done something with Vinnie called the Green of Future. Yeah. Um, I know I've just done one with Lauren Baker just a, a, maybe a month or so before yep. the last art fair and walked in and saw that she was doing Letter to Mother Earth. Yeah. Because it, it was either just been in the tape yeah. or it was just going to it round about that time. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think we had it afterwards. I think where we're lucky is that as a small organisation and even though we've been acquired by Leaf Group, I mean... They really just believe in what we're doing. They say, look, guys, you carry on they doing... They don't interfere with nothing. Don't interfere Good. at all. Good. And they really just say, you know, carry on doing, you know, what you've been doing up until this point. Mm. Genuinely. And and actually, not. so another interesting thing is that since when I started, Sophie Roberts, who started with me, or Sophie Lucas now, she's since got married, but nine years ago, she started with me on the fair as my intern, you know, and she's still there. Nobody's ever left. Lovely. If, like, they were making a lot of influence, then people wouldn't be happy. That says, that says a lot, doesn't yeah. it, for the, for the little structure you've got going on there, your family structure, Ex- as it were. Exactly. We nice. call it Toe Family. It's funny. Um, so just around Greener Future, I mean, each year or throughout the year, we'll be having conversations in the office about, you know, what's important to us as people, what do we want to be doing as a business at the fair, um, obviously there's a lot of talk around climate change now and sustainability and, and you know it's something that we're all individually passionate about and you know I think we all need to be doing as much as we can to sort of better our own behavioural yeah, uh, yeah, things yeah, yeah. or whether it be at work um, so the Green Future is really simply looking at running an art fair and generally events are pretty bad in terms of like waste Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just looking at every aspect of what we're doing and just trying to, you know, be, be better in the way that we operate. Yeah, yeah. So whether that's from doing no single-use plastics at any of our fairs now, um, reusing packaging for artists coming in, yeah, offsetting carb- our carbon emissions when we get on a flight. I mean, just, you know, just doing stuff like that. Um, and it's an ongoing process. It's not like we're solving any major problems at the moment it's just trying to better everything that we're doing yeah, and highlighting it and highlighting it to, exactly. to, to the customers on the way yeah. down and actually another project we did with Kate Bryan last year was called Upcycle which is a really fun thing which we encourage people to bring in old artworks and then we had artists on hand to then upcycle them yeah that was pretty good yeah oh, did you see it yeah, yeah. Ah, cool um Charming was doing it as well, yes. and um, Sarah Maple was doing. It. That's the ones I saw. Yeah, I saw doing it. Charming turned up with a, uh, I think it was a chainsaw. You said that last year you had twelve shows. This this year you've got fourteen. Yeah. Planned. Just going back a bit. Yeah. When when did you start thinking that you could do either a second show in that year? Or one elsewhere other than London? Yeah. The way that I've always viewed it, because we're, you know, we don't have million pound marketing budgets. And also I think the price at which, the average price point at the fair is around sort of 400 pounds. It's, mm. you know, in art terms, it's affordable. Relative, yeah, relatively affordable. Um, so my idea is if you can run a fair twice a year in a city, it sort of keeps the brand alive. Mm. It means that more artists can take part. Um, it means that as visitors, you know, you can come back and buy two, three pieces potentially in a year. It's not like you have to wait a whole new year for another thing. And like you say, a person buying the artwork, face to face with the artist, always good. Yes, exactly. And it keeps that relationships alive. Mm. 
So if an artist has done the fair once and then does it again six months later, assuming they do what we tell them to do, which is collect data and you know keep in touch with the people that you meet at the fair, mm. then it's an opportunity for them to show again six months later potentially some new, a new body of work. It's a win-win invite those people, yeah, invite those people along again to you know try and get them to buy more work. When did you do your first one outside of London, and where was it? Sydney. I think it was 2014. Um, obviously, an English-speaking country. I had a few contacts there, and so I really just went there. I mean, again, like you just have to take this fearless approach of just going. I've never been to Australia. Let's yeah, go there and put on an art fair. Yeah. Um, but also, I could see just through visiting, I could see there's really thriving artist communities there. Um, but a lack of places of where to buy art. I mean, they've got one art. Well, at the time, there's one art fair a year in the whole country, which is the Melbourne Art Fair. Now they've got Sydney Contemporary as well, but for but these are gallery shows. So for artists so that aren't with a gallery, going there from the other side of the world, yeah. How did your first one go there? That was really good. It was actually at the top of a shopping centre. Nice. Um, I think we we're given the space for free, uh, which is always handy yeah, to get course. you off the ground. And then I remember we uh, it had such huge interest that actually. You had to get these escalators all the way up. I think the escalators <laughs> broke, so everyone had to sort of walk up. And there's big yeah. queues around the building, so it's really well received from the day one. Yeah, and it's just gone on from there. I mean, Sydney's now twice a year as well. Nice. So, do you travel to? I try to go to all of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't go to all the Australia ones now because also they coincide with London. Yeah. And obviously, I you know I love going to the London fairs, yeah, and you know, it's still so my baby. When we first spoke, you was just either on your way or coming back from Dallas, wasn't you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we launched in Dallas this year, which is a real eye opener. Um, again, it felt like a similar sort of market to Sydney at the beginning, um, in the sense that there's only one art fair once a year there. Again, it's a big gallery fair. Yet there's a really great artist community there, and obviously it's close to Austin as well, mm-hmm. loads of great artists. And there's also just a really passionate sort of art buying community. So people that, you know, just interested in buying art, they don't necessarily go to galleries or, you know, know what galleries to go to in order to buy art. And going around to these pockets of artists all around the, the well, yeah. globe, really, yeah. but mainly, like, you know, US, Australia, do you see a difference in the contemporary art that's in that town or city compared to London and Sydney? Yeah, a little bit. Try not to speak too much about, you know, sort of cliches, but yeah. definitely if you're speaking quite broadly, I mean, de- definitely in LA, people, there seems to be like bigger painting, oh, bigger colourful yeah, yeah, paintings. Yeah. Um, going back to Australia, I always think, I feel like there's, maybe it's because they don't have, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's fair to say, like they don't have the sort of baggage and history in sort of um, as long as far back as like Europeans maybe but their contemporary art I mean I see some of the like the work that's being created by young artists it's really out there really conceptual like really challenging stuff and also what I find really cool is the fact that people come and buy that whereas I think what I observe is like artists showing like that in London or some you know across the US I do think sometimes like as an art buyer in what like in the UK let's say in London you're slightly burdened with old ideas yeah, of things yeah, right yeah, yeah. so if I'm going to buy something which I instinctively like and I've learned about it and I like it and I want to buy it I then have to deal with this idea of like okay so what are my friends going to think about if I hang that on my wall and I've got yeah. to talk about it 
what does that mean about me? And all you know, you sort of raise all yeah, these yeah, other yeah, questions. Yeah, connotations that come along with just buying a piece no, of No, exactly, exactly. Like. Whereas I definitely think there's a fearless nature of people in Australia. They're like, I like that, and it's great, I think it's really cool, and so I'm going to have it. And that good day. Where do you go for inspiration or to relax? Or what do you do to relax? Uh, oh, good one. I'd like to hear my own answer on this because I don't think I'll relax ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess yeah, on paper it would be I do a lot of yoga. I love yoga. Nice. That's quite a nice thing I like to do. Um, otherwise, just hanging out with my son. I mean, like, actually, I'm probably, you know, it's things where you're just completely present. And I think there's no better place than, you know, just being with your, your kid and just hanging out and just, like, making art with him or... It's funny, I mean, he's far You've better... You've got some of your artworks... I know. ...about it, I've knocked over, you know, yeah. your clay figures. Well, I pretended that they were my son's, yeah. but they're not, they're actually mine. <laughs> His are actually a lot better than mine. <laughs> well, if there was any... If there was five artists, past and present, what would your perfect group show be? Or if you could give a yeah. stall, in your, res- yeah. in your respect, if you could give a stall to five artists, who would you like to um, be a part well, I mean, I always enjoy working with, I mean, I've got so many artist friends now, and I think there's, you know, there's nothing more pleasurable in life than working, you know, going to work every day and working with people that you really enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately, I, you know, we spoke about this sort of idea of toe family, and we all joke about it in the office, but it's really true. I mean, we all really get you on well. You spend more time yeah. with your work colleagues than yeah. you do... Your girlfriend, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true, you do. Um, so in terms of like, answering that question, I guess it'd be artists, you know, that I really have historically enjoyed working with. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously some names that come to mind. I mean, I love Charming Baker. He's such, a, yeah, he's such a great guy. Um, no, he's such a, yeah, he's such a lovely guy. With or without the guy. chainsaw. Was he as charming with the chainsaw? Yeah, well, he's <laughs> doing it with Dario, actually. Yeah. Dario was his, like... Right-hand man in all of this. Influencer. Influencer, exactly. And I remember Kate brought in an old, uh, an old, it's not an old piece, but it was like a Chris Levine that I think she had bought. And so she handed that to Charming and then he starts cutting it up. So that's kind of funny. If you weren't within the arts, what would you like to be? Hmm. I don't know. What would you be? I worked on a pig farm years ago. Did you like it? When I was in prison, I loved it. Did you? Yeah. And I've always had a... I've always thought that ideally a little um, small holding, yeah. a few pigs, that, that would have been my, or something I'd like to do. Yeah, nice. I always answer this question with, um, I always say, I don't know why, I think it's not real, it's not as deep as your answer, but I always, I always think I'd like to be a ballerina if I was to have my time again. It's cool. I just, it's not about being cool. I think it's more about, I just see how like liberated yeah. people are. And I think I'm that guy at a wedding. I sort of sit there so frustrated in my chair. I desperately want to get up and dance. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so like stiff and like uncomfortable exactly by the whole thing. And when I see like people doing ballet, I just think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And they're just so like start, liberated yeah, in what they do. it just flows, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, then. and that same sort of thing. I remember seeing when I saw uh, Saturday Night Fever for the first time uh, when I was yeah. a kid. Even at that point, I knew that I had no rhythm, and I saw him strutting about. I know he's no ballerina, but yeah, <coughs> throwing a white jacket around. Totally. And other than that, I'd look fucking awful <coughs> in a pair of tights. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other art fair. Yeah. When's the next one? Uh, so the next one is in March. 
and that's in London and also Sydney. What, they're running at the same time or same both weekend. in March? Oh, nice. Same weekend. I think it's the 19th to the 22nd. I'd have to check. But yeah, it's when, around the end of March. When and how, if artists want to, can they apply well, to be a part of it? Yeah, so you usually apply about six months out to any fair that they want to participate in. Then we do the selection committee about four months out. So London now is closed. Oh, it's selection. done. Okay. Um, but then we have another fair <coughs> in July <coughs> at King's Cross which is a small affair that we're doing. Uh, it's like a summer one. In October, we're doing Truman Brewery again during freeze week. Nice. It's open for both of those at the moment if they want to apply yeah. for July or... July or October. Nice. Yep. And visiting the art fair. Yeah. How can they get tickets, buy tickets, come along? It's all on the website. Just go online, buy a ticket. Um, I mean, we do ticket codes throughout the year, so... You know, you can get your half-price ticket at some point, or if you know an artist, they might give you a free one. Yeah. Are you doing the greener future? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.